The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. This is a podcast from Minute Media. Welcome to the Sixer Sense Podcast, hosted by co-site experts Lucas Johnson and Christopher Klein. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of our podcast. We are recording directly after the Miami Heat stole a game in Philadelphia, despite being very shorthanded. But that's okay, because we're going to talk Sixers basketball, recent games as well, some Ben Simmons stuff, and we brought in a special guest, and I would like to introduce... Maddie Breisch from Section 215 of Fansighted. Maddie, thanks for coming on, man. We love your content over at the 215, and we're, we, we're excited to talk six, Sixers with you, man. Thanks. I'm happy to be here. This is my first podcast. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Well, that's exciting. Awesome. Well, let's just jump right into that heat game, Maddie. Um, 101-296 was the final score. Obviously, most of the night it was a blowout in the Heat's favor. Then a fourth quarter comeback, mostly led, I would say, by Tyrese Maxey and Danny Green, is what got Philly back in the game. It was tied 96 96 with about a minute left. And then Gabe freaking Vincent uh, <laughs> hit a three off that offensive rebound, pretty much put the game away for Miami. Um, what did you think specifically of Philadelphia's performance tonight? What were some of your big takeaways? Um, well, since it was the first game without Niang, I was wondering how they would stagger the minutes and figure out the best way to, even though the Heat were down quite a few players, I assume they would still bring a good game because they usually do, especially in Philly. Um, so to me, I definitely was hoping to see a little more effort, especially when they went zone. But um, the the spacing remains an issue, especially when certain players opt against taking open threes and decide to go into the mid-range and pretty much just waste a couple seconds before tossing the ball out either to Embiid or to a perimeter shooter. So that was underwhelming. I was hoping for a bigger game from Tobias Harris. But other than hitting that big shot at the end... Probably wasn't his best outing. I mean, you bring up a good point with Tobias. I mean, still, he had 24 points on 18 shots. That's, you know, five rebounds, four assists. Three turnovers wasn't great. Minus 12 in the box, plus minus score. Um, He definitely had some lows this game. Uh, That zone really threw the Sixers off, and Miami pretty much stuck to it the whole game. It was not a pretty sight. Um and like you said, Tobias didn't show up. Joel certainly had his struggles in this game, too. That zone really bothered him. But we got to give our flowers here to Tyrese Maxey. This is probably his best game that he's played with Joel in his career. With 27 points, 5 assists, only 2 turnovers, 1 block. A really good block, by the way. And he had these 25 points on 15 shots. And shot pretty efficiently from the 3-point line and perfect from the foul line. So... 
while I understand Tobias Harris had his struggles, he still had an okay game. It's honestly probably more on a Joel than it would be on Tobias, in my opinion, because Joel only had 17 points on 13 shots. And, I mean, he had 14 rebounds, great. Five assists, great. But, like, you got to get something from your runner-up from for MVP last season. You got to get more. I know this zone was throwing everybody off, but if anything, I would probably blame Matisse Thibault's poor shooting more than I would Tobias Harris this game. Yeah, but that's kind of expected, though, almost. Like, I feel like a good shooting game <laughs> for for Matisse is almost like, you know, and it was like back when Fultz was on the team. It was almost like it's a, a blessing to get a three as opposed to something expected. I mean, you you make a great point, too, with, with Thibault, honest, or not Thibault, with uh, Tyrese Maxey. Honestly, that was probably my highlight of the game would be that he didn't defer every possession. And, like, not every possession, but he has a bad habit when he's playing with the starters since Embiid came back of kind of deferring and, mm-hmm. you know, being a little more passive and deferential on offense. So having him... There were possessions where he didn't even wait for people to, to show up and just went for the basket, mm-hmm. which I think he needs to do a lot more because a, a big absence without Simmons is the transition game. Like, Simmons is one of the best full-court, fast-break players in the NBA. And, mm-hmm. you know, we talk a lot about without Simmons, you lose at rebounding, you lose, like, really good passing, but you also really lose the transition which might be why they're like one of the slowest teams in the NBA too. So I would like to see Maxi just take more balls and just run past everyone else to the hoop. And I don't think like Embiid's gonna go to the coach and be like, "Hey, offense has to set every time." Like I think you need kind of that, the fast and the slow to kind of make everything work because it can't just always be the Seth Curry, Joel Embiid two man game. Seth Curry did not play well either. Let's be clear on that. But, yeah, you bring up a good point. And I was thinking about it. Will we even be mad about the, like, say Joel and, like, honestly, if Joel and Tobias had different, you know, you flip their shooting numbers, you flip their score, their total points per game. That's the formula that you would need to win a game with this, you know, you would want Maxi or Joel to be the first or second scoring, you know, total points per game people and Tobias to be the third. That's how you win with this roster. Uh, oh, especially yeah. on offense. That just a random thought. But Chris, did you have anything that you wanted to add? I'm sorry yeah, for no. taking it up. I, I agree with both of you. Um Maxie's the only reason this game was even remotely close. Um Danny Green also deserves a crap ton of credit, you know, oh, yeah. minutes tonight off the bench. Five, five steals. steals, hit three threes in that second half was it was really him and Tyrese who brought the team back. Um I know we've had the thigh bowl discussion in the past, but like again Thibault gave you 14 minutes of nothing tonight, so there are certain matchups where you're going to have to start Thibault or you're going to have to play him more, but on a night-to-night basis, it's just mind-boggling to me that Danny is not the starter right now. I don't know if that's specifically because of injuries or if Doc is trying to bring him back slowly, but Danny's got to be the starter right now. I I think it's pretty clear, Um, and it's really not just this game, but this game is a good example of it. The Sixers need his offense more than they need Matisse's defense most nights, and he's a good defender himself. He had a great defensive game in this game, so I I think Danny stood out to me too. Um, I agree, like with you, Maddie. The Tobias box score looks a lot better than 
he actually looked like this this was not a very good Tobias game. He hit some big shots down the stretch. Also made a couple notable mistakes. That charge um, at the end when he passed up an open three was kind of brutal and pretty much sealed the Sixers' fate. Um, so, or helped seal it. So I, you know, there are good and bad things with Tobias. He's, he's still a good player. He has his moments tonight, but it, it was not, you know, all smooth sailing. Um, Isaiah Joe had 11 minutes in this game, hit two threes. I thought he was pretty good. But moving past those main positives, the Maxi and the Danny Green stuff, were there any other positives for you, Maddie? Any other silver linings that you could find? Um, well, I mean, the Joe, Joe playing was definitely good. I wrote about this right before the game. Uh, with Niang gone, I was wondering how they were going to replace his minutes because they don't really have a pure replacement power forward with the exact same game. Like, they can play Paul Reed, and he's good defensively. And I also have this, like, weird personal preference to wanting to see Green and Thibel on the court together because they have a really good... Like, the top net-rated lineup the Sixers have with more than five minutes played is the starters, but with Thibel in instead of Harris. So I was kind of hoping we'd see a little Thibel at power forward action, which I know Lucas wrote about too, and I thought was really interesting. Oh, thank you. But, yeah, I I read it before my article because it was basically the same idea, but going at it a different way. So I was kind of hoping to see that. Didn't really see that. Um, But I do think, like, because... Niang is just a spot-up shooter, and Joe is basically just a spot-up shooter. You can more or less, you know, use them the same way, even though I'm pretty sure Niang's like 65 pounds heavier, which is pretty crazy. But yeah, so I was happy to see him play. Um, I hope Furkan can eventually get out of his slump, because it's just, it's not fun watching him when stuff's not going up. Hopefully he can get that right, and like in... 2022 he'll be back to his like spring self hey guys let's take a break and let me tell you about another podcast well worth listening to it's called the knuckleheads podcast and what they do is they bring on some of the best nba players past and present to have totally unguarded conversations about sports culture and basketball nostalgia NBA veterans Quentin Richardson and Darius Miles are lifelong friends and bona fide truth tellers. They're the hosts of this podcast. Listen as they invite special guests, high profile athletes, musicians, and entertainers to get brutally honest about everything from current events to untold stories from the golden era of sports and culture. Named for the on court celebration that they made wildly popular, this unfiltered, hilarious, and surprising podcast is like playing NBA 2K with no fouls. You can find this podcast on Apple iTunes as well as, well, iHeart.com or any other platform that you can think of that has podcasts. Again, check out the Knuckleheads podcast hosted by Quentin Richardson and Darius Miles. And now, back to the podcast. But, yeah, that was my big takeaway was Joe Minutes is good. And don't play Joel Embiid and Andre Drummond together. Oh, God. Yeah. Let's talk about that for a second. Doc Rivers gave the whole entire Sixers Twitter sphere a heart attack before the game, saying that, oh, yeah, we practiced it in training camp. They can play. No. No. Look, we learned that before. He played Paul Reed in the first quarter. It's not going (laughs) to happen. He's just 
BSing. It's not a big deal. It worked in that one game when they were trying to inbound the pass. Like that was like, or not? Uh, they were trying to do the free throw. Oh that yeah, well, I mean, situationally, then yeah, you want to have like when you're trying to get the offense aboard, yeah, throw. You're gonna have the double team one of them, and the other one has probably gonna have a mismatch. So yeah, you do that in that situation, but like that's like bro, 15 seconds. So over yeah, the like you, season, it's you situational basketball. Then yeah, you can play them together. Yeah. Um, any areas of improvement um, for the Sixers guys? Anywhere where they need to get better? Uh, personally, I think they just need to fill out their roster because right now they just they they play undermanned every game, even when they're fully manned. But um, other than that, I mean, they're the worst rebounding team in the NBA. Mm-hmm. Like they're twenty fifth in offensive rebounding before tonight's game. They're worst in defensive rebounding. And they're worst in total rebounding. And it's it's not like it's a super big margin. I think it was like a six-rebound margin between Milwaukee and the Sixers. But, like, they don't even box out half the time. They don't get rebounds, like, from their guards that much, which other teams, you know, sometimes do. So my big suggestion would be just put in the effort and rebound because they give away too many possessions and they don't keep alive enough possessions. Especially yeah. when it's not Drummond and Embiid, because they do like eighty percent of the rebounding. Yeah, you know the thing is, like you would look at Tobias Harris's, you know, stats, and you would think, oh, he's a good rebounder. He does not box out, no, at all. Nobody boxes out besides Drummond and, and occasion. Not even Embiid really boxes out. And this is where I think an underrated aspect of Simmons not being on the floor is missed, because Simmons was a great rebounder. Mm-hmm. And if you ask me right now, outside of Joel and Andre Drummond, who was the third best rebounder on this team? I tell you, Tyrese Maxey. He gets in there. Now, his numbers don't always show it, but like he will get in the thick of things, grab that offensive board, defensive board, and go. Like Honestly, Matisse Thibel should be one of the best, the better rebounders, and so should, I mean, Georges Nyang is... Literally, his nickname is the van, the minivan, and he should be able to get in there with his big body and, and rebound. And here's the thing. Like you said, Matty, rebounding is an effort stat. And the best way to get rebounds is to find your man, put your rear into him, and just box him out. There was a – I remember this drill back – and it start, I remember doing it in middle and high school. And where the coach put the ball on the ground, and you had, the, you, you, you had a defender and an offensive player. You as the defender had to turn around and keep that guy from getting the ball off the ground for five seconds. Let me tell you something. That was brutal, but it was one of the most fun exercises that I ever did in practice. Like it, like it, it's a battle of will. And I, this, the, the thing is like the Sixers don't have like outside of Drummond who honestly, let's be real without Drummond, this probably would be the worst rebounding team in the league. It's it's bad, um, yeah. And to be fair, Joel's not as active on the boards as he was either in the last couple of years. I think Embiid makes uh, what do you want to call them like money decisions? I think yeah, financial decisions. Yeah, yeah, because Drummond is playing for like two point four million, so he's like, I got to do everything so that like, I don't know, the Trailblazers offer me a you know the mid level exception next year. And I'm, I'm pretty like, sure I'm the trail. Br- Sorry, go ahead. Oh no, I was just saying like 
he's hold, holding out that some team sees him as a starter and Embiid's like, I have generational wealth coming my way if I stay healthy. Yeah, and also, like, yeah, like with Embiid, I'm fine with him making business decisions because I don't want him to hurt himself. Um, but, like, the Sixers are small. Y'all said it. Like, they're pretty small outside of Embiid this season and Drummond. Um, that's part of missing Ben. You know, they're starting, hopefully, Danny, Seth, and Tyrese. Those just aren't great rebounders, number-wise, um, regardless of the effort. So it, it's an issue. They need to be better at boxing out. And, like, effort-wise, they were down 25 to a Heat team missing half its roster at home. It, it was pretty embarrassing for most of this game. They obviously came back, but they didn't deserve to win this game. It was a pretty lousy effort for 75% of the night. And... Um, you know, we're not for Maxie having his best game in a month and Danny having his best game in a month or two, the Sixers are losing this game by 20. So, um, there's certainly some issues and, and like, this was a chance, I believe for Philly to tie Miami in the standing. Uh-huh. So like they had incentive hypothetically to just come out and take care of business and they didn't. So it was not great. Isaiah Joe had a great game. And I'm going to say this. Even when Corkmaz comes back, play Joe over Corkmaz for a while. Let's see what happens. I, I'm ready to push the button on the Joe, Isaiah Joe experiment. I don't know about you guys, but that's that's just me. Yeah, I, I totally yeah. agree. Um, I, I don't know. I still hope that eventually when Corkmaz comes back that he... Because if you remember that first like two weeks of the season when he was doing his like weird Josh Getty like big point guard thing, it was like so much fun. But he's not even really providing anything as a playmaker now either. So he's kind of lost everything that made him special. He has to be dealing with some sort of like I think that hand is more messed up than and they're letting us know. It has to be because he he it's not a lack of confidence here. With him, no, he's but. very confident. But let's go ahead and and switch gears to the other game that that happened earlier this tonight. And we're going to talk uh, not tonight, sorry, this week. What am I thinking? <laughs> anyway, so we're going to talk about the the horrendous game that should be forgotten, but we cannot forget until after this podcast against the Memphis Grizzlies. The Memphis Grizzlies guys are one of the hottest teams in the NBA. Even without John Moran, I think there are 8 of their last uh Nine, if mm-hmm. I'm correct. And uh, they were coming in red hot. Sixers were not. Sixers got blown out of the water. And it wasn't even a game pretty early on here, guys. But, Matt, what what can we take away from this game? Uh, Well, Joel Embiid's ribs must really hurt. Yeah. Because he missed the game. And even when he's been playing, he looks like he's not having a very good time, which I can totally see it and can understand because I imagine that hurts a lot. Uh-huh. Um, I don't think Doc Rivers said that we should burn the game tape. I don't think we should burn the game tape because I actually think we saw a lot of good things from Charles Bassey, oh, yes. who definitely deserves the flowers because he had himself a night. We were talking earlier about how before the season he had the whole contract uh dilemma situation i don't i don't know what you want to call it but 
you know, people were kind of writing him off a little bit. Some people were saying, you know, just give him the one year deal so you can trade him. But like, he's, he's pretty good. I mean, I don't know if he's ever going to be a stretch five and be able to play with Embiid, but I definitely think there's a world where, you know, maybe you don't have to sign a guy like Andre Drummond to play, you know, behind Embiid and you could get like a lesser guy, like a Mike Muscala type who's more situationally valuable and could use Bassey as like your pure backup five. So that was good. Yeah, you know, we mentioned something like that recently on the podcast. I think it was Chris that brought it up, right, Chris? Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, like, Bassey is trending in that direction. Um, you know, it all comes down to whether or not Doc Rivers is willing to trust a young player that much. But 13, 10, and 4 blocks in 22 minutes. He did the rookie thing where he fouled out in 22 minutes. But pretty great stuff from a guy who hasn't played much this season. Um, certainly looks to have all the, uh, intangibles that you could want from like the 50th pick. So, um, I certainly can see a world where Bassey and Paul Reed are enough to let you move on from Andre Drummond next season, but that, that's no knock on Drummond who has been pretty good this year himself. Um, and yeah, other than that, really this game was pretty, pretty not fun all around. Um, Memphis is a great team. They've been rolling like you said, Lucas, but this is two pretty lousy efforts in a row from Philadelphia. Obviously, Joel was a late scratch that messed people up. So was Seth. Um, so that, I'm sure, threw a wrench into everything. But just not a good effort at all from most of the players on the floor. Tobias had 12 points on 12 shots. Um, you know, Maxi had a good game. Like, Maxi, whenever Joel doesn't play, tends to have good games. But... We need more games like the Miami game when he has a good game and Joel plays. But, um, yeah, there's not a great game for the Sixers. Um, I, I've, I don't really have anyone to ask about this, but I've always thought about it. Where do you value Paul Reed in terms of the Sixers' current team? Because, like, it's clear Doc Rivers doesn't like playing young guys, but when he goes to the G League, he's just, like, the star. So, like, I've always wondered, like, if some team called about him, and I'm not talking like one second round pick, but if someone was like, I want him in a deal for whatever, like how reticent would you be to, to get rid of him knowing what he could do versus how he's being used now and how much time he has left on his contract, which I think expires next season. Yeah. Well, Chris, yeah, you go ahead. Cause I know Meatball Paul is your guy. I'll let you answer this first and follow up. Yeah. I mean, look, I, it's certainly at a point where Bassey has clearly supplanted him on the depth chart. He's, I still think, more of a natural center in an ideal world than a power forward, though he can clearly play both spots. I think Paul Reed's a player. Like, what he's doing in the G League, he, he played really well this season when he got the chance. Like, he, he's clearly an NBA player, but it's going to be tough for him to get minutes in Philly. Sixers have a lot of young guys at the tail end of the roster that can play. You know, Joe... Jane Springer's going to be really good. I'm a pretty firm believer in that. So, Reed's certainly expendable. I'm not selling him for, like, a second-round pick, like you said. I I don't think there's any reason to do that. But if he helps you get a really good player in return, if he's put something over the edge, I wouldn't panic about it. I'd be fine doing that. Um, 
But yeah, I, I, I agree. I think he's kind of towards the bottom of the depth chart at this point, which is just a testament to the Sixers' recent drafting and someone unfortunate because he, he is, a, I think, a really promising player. Yeah, I'm I'm in the same boat as Chris. Like, he's the most expendable of that young core in terms of like he's not on the depth chart. He's fourth on the center depth chart and third on the power forward. Actually, fourth on the power forward because let's face it, Corkmoss uh, slash Thibel plays power forward more than he does. Um, so yeah, honestly, I I would um. I would say probably I if if you got like if you offered me a legit like backup point guard for Paul Reed, I'd seriously consider it like a quality backup point guard, not just like he had to be significantly better at Shake Milton at the job, which I think we all agree that that's not too hard to do. Um, not saying any no hate to Shake because he's having a good year, but like he's not a point guard. What I was actually going to ask you guys before this is that it seems to me that Maxi, right now, at this point in his career, is Maxi just an empty calorie type of player without Joel, or are the Sixers that bad without Joel that it doesn't matter no. what Maxi can do? I, I mean, Maxi pretty much like led the comeback with Joel not on the floor for a pretty long stretch there to begin the fourth. Like, like I, I think Maxie's clearly a, a good player and they really need him to put up like 23. Like they're obviously a bad team without Joel, but like that's not Maxie's fault. It's just because Joel is so important to this roster and it's not the most, you know, it's not the deepest team in the world. So um, like if he had, a better number two than Tobias when Joel wasn't in the game, if Ben was still playing, then I don't think it'd be so like we'd even be asking that question. But um yeah, no, I don't think he's empty calories. Like he he's pretty essential to what the Sixers are doing, even when Joel is playing, but even obviously more so when Joel's out. So I don't know. He's like the only good thing from this Memphis game. One of the only good things from the Miami game, too, I I, I, I wouldn't call him empty calories. Yeah, well, I think the problem with, with Maxi is, it's not really a problem with him, it's that he and Joel Embiid aren't the best fit. Like, with yeah. how they both play right now. Because Embiid likes to slow it down, and Maxi likes to go fast. I think an ideal center for Maxi would be somebody who isn't as post-reliant. Like, I think if you gave him a guy like Sabonis from, from Indiana... Or in yeah, Indiana, I think he would be pretty good, you know, guy who does dribble handoffs and stuff like that. Whereas Embiid, you know, he gets he does so much in the paint and he really needs somebody who can get him that ball efficiently. Like I don't know if you guys remember the well, I'm sure you do, the the NBA bubble when Shake was tossing these like insane passes to Embiid under the basket. And he's just like, What are you guys doing to me? Like, I'm so good, I just need the ball and I don't want to dribble from you know, the top of the key down. So I think it's just finding a way for them to work. Like, I think if they got a pick and roll going, I think it would be so good, but they just don't do it that much. Okay, so you bring that all that up, and let me, because me and Chris have talked about this before. Draw, uh, uh, so there is a weakness in Joel Bede's offensive game. Are you ready to hear it? Yes. He's not, an, he's not a pick and roll big man. He's not. Nope. 
He's he's not capable of doing it. He's not a good roller. He might be able to pick a little, pop a little bit, but he's not. He is not a roller at all. And honestly, you you say some bonus. I would say probably a better guy would be like a lob threat, like maybe. I don't know. Let me think of a good lob threat center here. I would Rashawn maybe Holmes. Rashawn Holmes. Yes, yes, Rashawn Holmes. God, I miss him. Why did we trade him for two million? I don't know. Darn you, Brett Brown. Anyway, yeah, or even Andre Drummond does a decent job. I mean, he's not the best, but I mean, when they play together, they have good chemistry, and Drummond can set a good pick. So, but yeah, no, I think you're right on that, that they need to, if if Joel could become more of a role option, then yeah, but that is probably the one weakness in Joel Bede's game, is his ability to roll in the pick and roll. I just Um, looked it up, yeah, he's in like the 30, between the 35th and the 40th percentile, so that's not great for pick and roll rollman, but how much do you think that's on his skill set, and how much do you think that's on him having played with, like, Ish Smith and Ben Simmons as, like, his primary point guards for the entirety of his career. Yeah. Uh, I mean, both. Both? I mean, just watching him. Like, with Maxi, who he could... He's not really doing it. And Maxie's a guy who who can do that. Um, But, yeah, like, skill set-wise, clearly Joel's a guy who, like, likes to have the ball in his hands and to be kind of running the show and he deserves to be like, that's the best way to use him. But he's definitely like the hub of the offense. And I guess one of the things you kind of trade off with that is that he's just not going to be the world's greatest screener and the world's greatest roller. And that's fine. Like he's a top eight player in the world. Um, I'm not complaining, but I, I do think, to your point, Maddie, like they have to learn to play together more. Some of that's going to be Joel adjusting. Some of that's going to be Tyrese adjusting and doing more off the ball. Um, his three point shot is coming around at this point. Um, there's really not much of a concern at all about his threes now, but like it'll take time. I'm confident they'll do it. I think Maxi's skill set is still super valuable to this team. Like they finally have someone who can put pressure on the basket, which they've like never had with Joel. But it'll it'll yeah. certainly take time. Yeah, for sure. Uh, the other question that I wanted to ask you guys is this: Well, before I get to that, let me just let me just touch on that real quick. I, I will say this, Maddie. I think there should be more pick and rolls with Tobias Harris being the role guy because before he went went to L.A., he was a pretty good roller in Orlando and uh, Detroit. But anyway. Um, Speaking of Tobias Harris, this is what I do want to say. From that game in Memphis, how can Doc Rivers place Tobias Harris in a position to be more productive when Joel is out? Because Tobias had a, had a, only had 12 shots, had 12 points. Didn't really impact the box score anywhere else. Two rebounds, two assists, a block, two turnovers. Minus 15. What what can the Sixers do to make him more if you know more of a focal point on the offense, or should he be? I don't know. That that's really tough. I've I've been having conversations with people about this and thinking about this a lot, and I think the the biggest problem Tobias has is he was signed, he was traded for and then extended because he's a very specific player. Like he's not a power forward. He's not a small forward. He, you know, he, he's in LA. He was a really good three point shooter. 
He's a good chemistry guy. He can be deferential, like as like he's not one of those guys who fights tooth and nail through contact to try to get to the bucket. Like he can he'll go for a bit and then he'll throw it out to someone else. And I think with a six foot ten point guard who defensively was kind of like a weird, you know, switch around, he made a lot of sense. But on this team now, it's like everything that made him a good fit with Embiid and Simmons makes him kind of a weird fit with, you know, a six foot two point guard, a six foot two shooting guard, and a six foot five small forward. So in games where where Embiid isn't playing, I kind of I want him to take over games more and be more assertive. But in games where Embiid and Maxi are both playing, I almost want him to be more more of a catch and shoot guy. Because I feel like in right now I think he's taking three point nine catch and shoot threes a game and making them in like the mid twenties. And Danny Green is taking four point nine catch and shoot threes and is making them in the mid forties. So if your offense is ISO Embiid and Maxi driving, you really don't want to be have Maxi go into the paint, pass it out to Harris, and then have Harris go into the paint too. Especially because Thibault's guy's probably in the paint too. So it's like, in those situations, I almost want him to be more of that catch-and-shoot guy he was when he was paired up with Butler. Because he can really be good there. But he just... You give him the ball, and there can be no one around him, and he just does that pump fake. And you just know it's not going to be a good drive. Yeah. I mean, I think that's the thing. It's like... He doesn't play like a catch-and-shoot player when he probably should. He passes up a lot of open shots. I, I, I don't think he was ever, like, the greatest fit, even when Ben was on the floor. Like, the, the weird thing with Tobias, and, you know, he's scoring 20 a night. He's he's not a bad player. I, I want to preface this. But, like, taking over games would be nice in theory, but he's a pretty poor decision-maker with the ball in his hands. He can't get separation against pretty much anyone. Um especially when Joel's in the game, he's like posting up when he really shouldn't be posting up when Joel's off the floor. It's a different thing, but like he, as you said, Maddie, his skill set is pretty streamlined and he tries to do a lot of things outside of that streamline a lot. You know, he tries to do more than he should um, far too often and it just doesn't work very well. And he, he, I don't know. It's, it's pretty frustrating. Last season was the best of his career. I think, his best NBA season so far have come with Doc Rivers. So I don't think it's really a Doc Rivers thing. I think it's a Tobias Harris thing. And he just has to play better and to make quicker decisions with the ball and to take more of those spot-up threes. I'm not too worried about the percentage. Like, that will come back up. He's a good shooter when he takes him. But, like, he, he just has to be better. It's really not a Doc Rivers thing. I don't think it's how the Sixers are using him. It's really how he's using himself. So... That that's where I would put the blame. I, I don't think it's like something Doc can magically fix. Um, so, I wonder if that's a mindset thing because coming into the season, like he was always number two on offense and was kind of like, you know, because Simmons, even though like people give Simmons such a bad rep for his offense, like he averaged like I think his last season was his worst season. He averaged like fifteen points a game, like. The Sixers don't have that many guys now who average 15 points a game. But I think coming into this year, maybe he thought he needed to do more. But, like, it's clear Maxi should be their number two offensive guy right now. Like, maybe that'll change in a month. 
or in eight months when James Harden becomes available or whatever. But like right now, I feel like Maxi should be the number two guy. And I just don't know if Harris like either accepts that or knows where he fits. Okay, so first off, don't jump ahead on the James Harden stuff because we're getting to that later, promise. But um, the other thing that I want to say is that I do agree with you that I think Maxi should be the number two already. I've wrote, written about this in the past. So I do agree there. And I here's the thing. With Tobias Harris, he's the type of guy that takes – he should be the type of guy that should take what the defense has given him. That means getting his uh, offense within the flow of the, you know, get his uh, buckets within the flow of the offense. That means attacking the rim when it's available, taking advantage of mismatches, because he's pretty good at that. I'll give him credit on that. He's pretty good at that. And then the final thing is take open threes, man. You should be taking more open threes. And I think that there is a psychological aspect to this, because when you see him dialed in, like last season, he's almost a 50-40-90 guy. Now, I mean, he's granted three-point shot is starting to get better, but like this season obviously has been a struggle. Maybe part of it is he's felt like he he's had to take on role, which I mean, to an extent, he did at the beginning of the season. Maxi's finally rounding into form now, but like, and that maybe put stress on the other aspects of his game too. So, and I think in an ideal world, it, me and Chris have talked about this that he should be a number three. I think he's probably best suited as a number three. I don't think he can be a number four because we saw what that looked like when it was him, Jimmy Butler, Ben, and Joel. He His game just looked awful, especially in the playoff run. Um, I, I think he's best suited as a three, and I think he can be a three on a championship team. Um, but yeah. it just it, – I think it, it needs a little – the Sixers need to rework the roster. And, like, just to simplify things before we move on, I, Tobias is, I don't think, quite as good as his reputation suggests. Like, he's just not that guy. Uh, I mean, I think that's part of it. Like, he's, se- again, severely limited, really poor decision-maker, <coughs> one of the slowest decision-makers on the team right now. Um, he can't do a ton with the ball in his hands. It, it's not... It, it's a problem. So... I don't know. I, I think I'm lower on Tobias than the consensus, but I I think we're expecting things of him that just aren't in his wheelhouse. Like I, I don't I still think he's he's never gonna live up to that contract, obviously, but even beyond that, I think his reputation and at times even his box scores just show more than what's actually there. Let let's talk about Ben Simmons a little bit. Um, the latest rumor comes from Hoops Hypes, uh, Michael Scotto, talking with Bleacher Reports' Jake Fisher. Not a ton of new information came out of that conversation, but he did note that the Pelicans have discussed trading future first-round picks and pick swaps for Simmons. Notably, neither Brandon Ingram nor Zion Williamson were involved in those discussions. Not all that surprising. But guys, do you think that is something to keep an eye on now? Do you think picks and pick swaps is something the Sixers are going to seriously consider? How much would it take to build a package almost entirely around draft capital? Um, Matty, you'll, you'll get first dibs here. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, well, I'm a little unsure of what the exact package the Pelicans would offer would look like. Because you can't 
just off for picks. And I, I get like, you know, it, it doesn't really matter because you'd be taking on the picks in the hopes of making a deal this off season, which is, you know, is totally fair if that's the way you want to go. I mean, I wouldn't personally go that route, but I just wonder, like, are you taking on, like, uh, the center from the Pelicans, or are you going with uh, Devontae, or, like, is Josh Hart in the mix? Like, I-, I would be curious to hear what that is, but personally, I think the best trade they could do would be to get somebody who can still be valuable to another team and kind of use it almost like a like a tryout because there's no guarantee like even if if Brandon Ingram was on the table just for argument's sake and let's say it was like Brandon Ingram a first round pick and like something else like there's no guarantee that Brandon Ingram fits the roster you have now there's no guarantee that you know, if you take on Ingram, you're going to also keep Harris because that would be a weird fit. I think it could work because Doc Rivers has coached a lot of two forward teams. Like, I'm a little higher on that pairing than most people. I don't know if yeah. it'd quite be yeah. Kawhi Leonard I, I and mean, Paul George, but. Ingram's a great shooter. He's a pretty versatile defender and he can handle the ball. A good playmaker. Game. Pretty good I, playmaker. Yeah. I think that'd be a more than fine fit. And, and honestly, if I was New Orleans, I'd try the. I wouldn't. I, I wouldn't include a first round pick. I would. I mean, it would have to be a three team trade, to be yeah. fair. But I, I think there's a reason they're not discussing Ingram is because like Ben and Zion by themselves make zero sense. Ingram. Yeah. If you have those three, you can maybe make it work in some weird way. But Ingram's like shooting becomes so important if you trade for Ben Simmons that I, I don't think they'd be willing to make that trade off. Yeah, and. I mean, you can always. The thing is, like, I am kind of confident that if talks got serious, you could swindle David Griffin because Danny Ainge did it before with the Isaiah Thomas Kyrie Irving trade. So I would be tempted to say that, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you can, yeah. the obvious way to match salaries, right, would be Josh Hart, Devontae Graham, and. Thomas Sadoransky, like just looking at the cap sheet, that gets you to about Ben Simmons. That gets you to $33 million right there. Um, it could be a three-team trade, which seems pretty likely at this point. But if it's going to be mostly a picks package, that's probably the kind of thing you're looking at. Like all three of those guys are guys who would probably play for this team. Like that's nothing to, you know, scoff at. But um, is that really what Daryl Murray is looking for? You know, Josh Hart, Devontae Graham, and picks? Um, Devontae Graham is a less is is like a better three point shooting version of Tyrese Maxey, but worse two point shooting version. So uh, honestly, there no there nothing. I don't think they're anywhere close to that. I mean, uh, I mean, Devontae okay. doesn't put any pressure on the rim. He he's not getting to the basket a lot. That's Maxey's thing. Well, I no, I that, that's what I was saying that they were the inverse type of yeah. small point guard type deal. Um, Sadoransky is a seventh or eighth man off the bench and who was the other player you said josh hart yeah he can be your sixth man or fifth starter but like is that really what you want for ben simmons plus a whole bunch of picks i i me personally no i wouldn't do it i guess it depends what you think is going to be available this summer 
and how many picks you think you need to make that deal. Yeah. Like I, you only do that if you think you need, you know, eight first round picks and swaps to to get but like unless Damian Lillard asks out or Bradley Beal like Bradley Beal's not asking out now. Yeah, I don't think so either. But I'm just saying like those are the only two like would you sign and trade all that plus like Tobias Harris to the Nets for James Harden cuz like there are only so many players who are worth four first round picks and swaps let alone you know seven or eight first round picks. Yeah. I mean I I I like the other thing too is that the Pelicans are really interested in Ben and Zion and it. like that trade will be there in the summer. There's no pressure to make it now. It doesn't really move the needle for your team currently. So if that's what's on the table, why not wait? You know, um, yeah. I, I think if they're not getting an all-star back, if they're not getting one of those top 20, 30 guys that Daryl Moore is out for, they're probably just not going to make a trade. Um, I, yeah, I, I, Chris, we still have that bet, don't we? Yeah. We still have that bet where you bet that they make a trade before the deadline. I said not until this off season. Yeah. And what was the who? What happens, Uriah? You're keeping track of that. What happened? Yeah, I think Chris has to wear a Shake Milton jersey or no, yes. a Shake Milton sweatshirt. Yeah, and then you would have to wear a B-ball Paul jersey. Yeah, I don't so, yeah, think I that's a like punishment this, for Lucas. I, it, I don't think that's a fair. Yeah, it's it's really not. Like I, I'm okay. Champion and Lucas is an expert on the blue coat, so yeah. I'm not an expert. I haven't been following them nearly as much as I should this year. But shout out to B-Ball Paul for getting G League Player of the Week. True. Yeah. yeah. Um, right. Uh, let Let's talk a little bit about Russell Westbrook. Jake Fisher brought him up in the same podcast interview. Um, the note on the Lakers was that their interest in Ben Simmons was pretty much tied to their interest, um, in getting rid of Russell Westbrook. Maybe not so, but that's like the only way it makes any sense for the Lakers. It's really the only way to get him would be to trade Westbrook. Obviously the Sixers have no interest in that, but just for the sake of hypotheticals, what do we think a Westbrook and Bede pairing would look like? Would it be at all enjoyable? You got to throw the fact that Tobias would still be there um, doing Tobias things. So, <laughs> what do we think that team would look like? Well, they'd be better at rebounding, that's for sure. Because <laughs> you get True. 10 a game with Westbrook, basically. So, that's a that's a plus. Um, you can't play Westbrook and Maxi together very much. Uh, you can't really play Max. You can't. I, I'm kind of tr- struggling to find a a five-man lineup you could play Westbrook with that isn't just Maxi, and then you put like Seth or Danny out there and you just lean into like the small and fast thing and hope Joel sort of like figures it out when they slow things down like I think that's kind of what you have to do at that point yeah it's a it's a really weird fit and the the Lakers don't have if I remember correctly I don't think they have any picks they can trade or at least none of their own, because the the Anthony Davis trade soaked up quite a few of them. Yeah, so, they traded a couple for Westbrook. Yeah, so it's like, I mean, if it was the package they surrendered for Westbrook, then maybe I'd think about it, because, you know, you're getting back, what was it, three players who were, you know, good to very good? 
and you get picks, but like just Westbrook doesn't make this team any better. Yeah. No offense to Westbrook fans, which there are a lot of, but yeah, no, he's a good player still, and I like I don't think LA's problems are as much on Westbrook as like the national media tends to say they are. Like, it's probably more on the fact that Avery Bradley is starting than the fact that Westbrook is there, but. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't think it works. <laughs> we were talking earlier about empty calories. I feel like like Westbrook is that dude at this point in his career. He's kind of like, I feel like Tobias Harris has a lot of empty calories too. And like if you have three stars, you need a guy who, you know, from halfway through the first to the top of the fourth can give you 20 points because you need you still need those points. You know, no one's saying that playing, you know, Niang and getting eight points out of him is playing is better than getting 20 points out of Harris but at the same time you know you also need guys who can play the final eight minutes of the game or the final two minutes of each quarter and I just don't know how Westbrook helps you there because he's such a bad three-point shooter and he's not the best you know situationally in that kind of game I feel like he if you gave him like a Kevin Durant to be your closer like that would be good, but as things presently stand with the Sixers and the Lakers, he's kind of in a weird spot. Yeah, I agree. Um, let's talk about his former teammate. Hold up here, you you kind oh, of okay. you kind of jumped without me. I was I was doing some stuff on the background there. I was checking out a potential three team trade instead of having Westbrook come to the Sixers, and I was about to check it on the trade machine here. Give me one second. I'm guessing Pistons. Nope. Team that has a pack record than them with bad trades. Or making desperate moves. Yeah, I I don't think you and the Kings are that stupid. No, not the Kings. (laughs) Dang it, that doesn't work. Why does this not work? Oh, I need to cut seven more million from the... Okay, so my idea was to send Westbrook to the Knicks. Uh, Oh, boy. Oh, yes. Like, Westbrook and Julius Randle is stinking it up in the first round, if they ever get there. But you know what? It's something that the Knicks might do. They're 12th in the East right now. They're not looking yeah. good. They need more offense. They need more shot creation. They have I been mean, linked Evan, to huh? uh, James. They have been linked to John Wall, too, who's kind of a similar player. Yeah. I, similar contract. Like, the Knicks should stay away. I, they have a lot of pretty decent guards like Burks, Rose, and Quickly are all good rotation caliber players. What Kimba's probably better than being benched entirely would suggest, but yeah, like I guess I could like envision a world where the Knicks just drop the ball, but it I don't think they're gonna do that. I mean I I I I mean think about how fun would it be to see Westbrook putting up triple doubles in the garden. I'm just saying it's not the worst idea, but I think it's possible. Um, but, yeah, you guys make great points. It just it doesn't really work with Westbrook and Joel. And let's not forget, they beef a lot. <laughs> yeah. So, it, I mean, granted, point. Joel got things right with Drummond when Drummond came in. But, like, I don't know. Brody has that different type of energy. You know what I mean? So, I, I, don't, I don't trust it. <laughs> I think yeah. Westbrook's best spot would be to go to a team... Like the like you said, the Knicks or, or even the Kings, like a team that just wants to get in the playoffs. 
Like, if you really want to be the eighth seed and, like, you know, your ownership is mandating it or, like, your attendance is terrible, you know, maybe you make that trade just because you want to get people to come to the games for, you know, four more, two more home games or three more home games. But other than that, like, if you're a team that has legitimate playoff aspirations to, like, you know, go the distance, I just don't know how he fits. Yeah. No one, no one is training for Westbrook without an ownership mandate. That's the only reason Maury did it. And, and who the has the worst? Who has the worst ownership in the NBA right now? Kings. It's Houston. Um. Uh. Well. Okay. Yeah. Houston. But like, so. who? Which owner has the worst track record of making the most bonehead decisions? Uh, Sacramento. What? What's his name? Well, no, I no. I'm saying James Dolan. Yeah, yeah, but it's really the Sacramento. Okay, uh, but he hasn't been here. Man, he yeah. hasn't been in charge of the Kings as long as Dolan has been in charge. That's of the true. Knicks. Okay, anyway, a lot of bad owners out there. Um, so <laughs> let's talk quickly about James Harden before we move on here. Um, Fisher also reported that Harden is still on the Sixers' radar. We pretty much already knew this. It's phrased here in the agenda as, "Are we still interested in James Harden coming to Philly?" I will assume the answer is uh, yes. But Maddie, do you do you disagree with that? Uh. Yes, I would like James Harden. Yeah. Um my my biggest beef is that you're putting a lot of faith in him being available, which I don't know is definitely going to happen. Um I think you also have to really look in the mirror and decide if Maxi is the point guard of the future. Like I don't think we collectively appreciate just how good Maxi is. Like Coming into the season, nobody thought he was going to be this good. Like, in the preseason, he wasn't this good. I don't think to, anyone... To, to, to be fair, I said his ceiling this season would be around 18 points and 6 assists. Okay, well, that, well that's I'm pretty fair. damn close. <laughs> that's true. I'm just saying, like, I'm just saying, macro, like, on a macro level. Oh, macro think, level, yeah, fair you know, enough. I think people were hoping he would be able to play, but, like, he's a point guard. And, like... I remember a month into the season, people were like, mm, you know, like he can score, but is he a point guard? Like he, he's a, doing a good with his assist totals. You know, he's not turning the ball over at all. Like he, he I mean, he's not like Chris Paul precision or anything, but like he is a real NBA point guard. And if he was like a level worse, this team would be so bad and we would all be so miserable. So I think he needs like a bunch of credit. But then it comes down to if if he can be your point guard on a championship team, then like what is the best third player? You know, is it like a Brandon Ingram type? Or is it, you know, a shooting guard kind of, you know, whatever you want to call James Harden who can play off of Maxi and in place of Maxi? You know, is it, you know, do you have to completely shake things up? So I think that's the real question. Yeah, and I don't I, think I, I certainly player. certainly think that James Harden could play with Matt. I don't see that being the issue. Though. Yeah, the right. issue. Go ahead. Embiid, sorry, but like Embiid, Harden, and Maxi are all players who are better off like at their best dominating the ball. Mm-hmm. Like, I I don't care at all. They I talent will win out at some point if it's between you know Brandon Ingram and James Harden. I'm taking Harden every day of the week. I know Harden got off a bit of a bumpy start this season. 
the new, you know, foul calling rules may be affected him somewhat. But he, like, he's coming James off Harden, a pretty bad hamstring injury as well. He's, 30, he's, he's 31, hurt, 33. He's going to get paid a ton of money next summer. I don't care. If it, uh-huh. if you can get James Harden, you get James Harden and you figure it out. You take the, you know, you sink or sail, as Brett Brown used to say. I'm, you just do it if you can and hope it works. There's a good chance it would work. Um, so that's where I'd stand on it. Uh, yeah, I, I certainly think that you, you do want James Harden. I don't think that's the issue. The issue is how much less are you willing to pay now than you were willing to pay, to, uh, uh, well, it feels like two years, but a year ago. Well, that's the be, thing. He'd have to come in free agency. So it'd be, a, it'd be a sign and trade, so the Sixers can dictate that to a certain level. Um yeah, I mean, so, you'd have to give up Ben, and you'd probably have to give up a couple more things. Maybe even Maxi. I, I, if I, if I'm Philly, I hold on to Maxi, and <clears throat> I would, I would try to take, trade Thibel, go all in on the offense. Okay, but like Thibel has nowhere near the value that Maxi. Um, he just shut down Steph Curry, yeah, and he just got cooked by Duncan Robinson. So, <laughs> okay. But who are you going to see in the NBA Finals? Duncan Robinson or Steph Curry? Guys, Tyrese Maxey has more value than what are we doing? No, I'm yes, saying yeah, that's what I'm saying. If I'm that Philly, I'm trying to, to I'm trying to hold on to Maxey for dear life because this is we know that James Harden can play with a score force point guard. We saw it with him and Irving that works. I'm not worried about that. I'm trying to I'm trying to keep all three of them, and if I can give if I have to give up like maybe two first round picks. If I can convince, you know, the Nets, which you should be able to, because guess what? You have the leverage. Um, You can say, look, I'll give you two or three first-round picks, Thibel and Ben. I don't think, I don't think considering where the Nets are with their picks and their depth, especially the fact that they need better defense... Like I, I would take that deal. I would for sure. Yeah, I think it just. Kind and of if comes you down t- and here's the thing: if Kyrie does come back, if I say the if, then having Maxi and Cam Thomas along with Kyrie is kind of redundant. It wouldn't make sense for them to go after Ky- uh, Tyrese. Yeah, I, that, I was kind of gonna say that. Like, I think Maxi would be by far. I think right now it's. I don't. I think you could make an argument that Maxi might be to some teams more valuable than Ben Simmons because of his contract. Like if they were both offered up, I think there's not every team, but I think there are a couple teams that would prefer Maxi. But the problem is, I don't know if like, I think the Nets would 100% trade for Ben Simmons with Kyrie at point guard Simmons as like the weird, like hybrid forward and have Durant be your your kind of other hybrid forward, but I don't know if they would want Maxi. Whereas you like you have Cam Thomas and Patty yeah. Mills, but I mean he's also just like a different age than uh, than like Kyrie and them. He has different in you know it's like those guys seem to want to play with their friends because they know they're so darn good. So it's like I don't know if they you know if they're given the choice, would they maybe rather play with a different player? who, you know, kind of is more in their circle, you know? Because, like, that was a big reason that DeAndre originally went there is because he was, like, best friends with those guys. So I'm just wondering, like, 
is there a world where they say we want Maxi, but we don't want Maxi? We want you to trade Maxi to X for for X. You know, I, like I mean that could be the case. As well. Grant. This 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 could become a three team trade if that happens for sure. So yeah. my one more note before we move on, I I just want to posit this. It's the same thing with all the Kyrie hypotheticals. Is if you are trading Ben Simmons to Brooklyn, you are giving your main competitor in the East, arguably, Ben Simmons, who is probably the best James Harden defender on the planet, yes. and who also makes that team make a lot more sense on paper. Um, you know, postseason struggles aside, I'd be a lot less worried about it if Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving were my teammates or his teammates, and I was building that team. Like, do you want... I, Preferences. I trade Ben for James Harden every day of the week. Kyrie, I consider it, even though I'm not like huge on the idea of Kyrie and all his weirdness right now. So obviously you do it, but like you are giving Brooklyn Ben Simmons, who fixes one of their the biggest holes in that roster, and who would look pretty darn good next to Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, there, there's a there, there's a poison pill there for sure, and I don't mean it in a contract sense, but in you know in the metaphorical sense here, um, and that's certainly something to think about. But let's go ahead and switch gears now, and we're going to talk about Robert Covington. I like saying his name like that, Robert Covington. <laughs> And the reason why is because he he's a blue collar guy it's on, on the defensive end. Offense has not been looking good this year, and he's recently, I think he actually was benched in favor of a Nazir Little and somebody else in the front court. Uh, Larry Nance. Larry Nance, thank you. Yeah, in a recent uh, Blazers game, but there there's been rumblings that you know. Covington could be included in a Ben Simmons package, or I even see one or two trades where on Twitter where people are like, "Would you do Danny Green plus two seconds for Robert Covington?" But regardless, what, how would we feel if Covington did come back to the Sixers in a Simmons trade or in a separate trade? I personally like Robert Covington as a player. I always enjoyed. When he was on the team, I liked his effort. I liked his steals. I liked his transition defense. Uh, I just don't see a way that he comes to the Sixers. Like, I would like for it to be the case. But, like, like we're talking about Danny Green. I feel like Danny Green is, like, deceptively incredibly valuable to the team. Mm-hmm. Like, I think if you get rid of Danny Green and replace him with Covington, who is probably a little better defender because he's bigger and can kind of play multiple positions better even though Covington I remember was not particularly fleet of foot but um I think without green you things kind of fall apart because he's kind of your linchpin with his three-point shooting like we've seen yeah we see you just take him out and put Maxi in or um Thibel in and everything just falls apart so like if I'm trading green which I don't want to do I would only consider trading him for a guy like I guess like a Ricky Rubio type or someone who's like a bigger uh, traditional uh, point guard. Yeah, like a veteran presence. Yeah. Because they really need a veteran point guard to kind of be, not not just to be like an assistant to Maxi, but also to be like, to get Embiid the ball, really. And to play off of Maxi too. Because like, you don't want to get a guy like uh, 
the guy we were just talking about with the Pelicans, uh, Devonta Graham. Like you don't want to get him and have two six foot one, six foot two guys. Like ideally, you'd want to have a guy who's a little bigger, a little more experienced. But to me, like the only way you're making that deal is with Green plus for the matching salary, and I just wouldn't do that deal. Yeah. And I wouldn't trade for CJ McCollum because I mean, like I'm a little higher than a lot of people on McCollum, but I'm not high enough to make the sort of deal that would take to get him. And even if they took like Harris for McCollum one for one, I feel like that causes more problems than it solves. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure I heard that um, Portland has no interest in Harris and um, Harris at all. Which yeah. I don't blame them, but um, <laughs> I think yeah. the Rockets would be a good team for Harris. I think they could use like a a blue chip locker room guy who can score a lot of points. I mean, they already got their power forward of the future in Jayshon Tate, though. Um, That's I, true. I would, well, I, and, Tate's like the same age as Tobias. Is he really? Oh, yeah. He's, oh, like yeah, a he's really player. old. He he's yeah. the same year as uh Russ uh D'Angelo Russell. They were teammates at Ohio State. Wow. He, he just played okay. like all over the world. Okay. Also, I don't. Th- yeah, he's twenty six. I I don't think he's like that good. He, he's a good like player, but he's not like power forward of the future. Well, I I, I don't. Well, Harris is almost thirty. I don't think Houston's a good fit. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, I am buying up all the property I can on Robert Covington Island. I welcome everyone to join me there. Um, but. I'm probably holding off on like Danny plus stuff for Roko too. I, I think Danny's pretty good himself. Um, if he's like part of a bin deal with CJ, um, I'm not like the most thrilled in the world about CJ. Um, but like he'd be a good player here. He'd contribute. He's one of the best off ball defenders on the planet. Um, you know, you put him next to guys like Danny and Matisse and Joel, they're going to make a lot of good things happen on the defensive end. Um, you know, I think he's still pretty undervalued. I don't think Portland really understands how to use him. Like just listening to Chauncey Billups and reading those quotes, he clearly like doesn't really understand Covington's strengths on defense, which is unfortunate. But, um, yeah, I, I, I agree with you, Maddie. It's probably not going to happen. Um, you know, one for one, like they're not going to go out of their way to trade for Covington. I don't think So Daryl Morey, probably a big fan of Covington. Well, he he brought him in for yeah. that small ball stuff with small Westbrook. ball center. Yeah, so Maury is certainly familiar, and there's a long history there. But I I tend to agree that's probably not going to happen unless it's like a CJ deal, and even that, it, there's a good chance it doesn't happen because they don't really need him to match salaries or anything. So, um, yeah, I, Covington's great, good player, a lot better than I guess consensus would rank him, but. Uh, Probably not happen. Yeah, I, 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 I still see it happening, guys. I don't, and I, I think he would be a nice addition, but because you really only have one player that you can really trade him for, and Danny Green, I wouldn't do it. And then, like you guys said, CJ, if you would have asked me before, been my one of my top two targets. The other one probably being uh, Malcolm Brogdon. Brogdon's obviously off the table now. CJ and Tyrese really just don't make sense. Um, oh. Which, 
kind of, I mean, he's still a good player, and yeah, he would probably fit pretty well with Joel, but like, I just don't see it. It would cause the same exact problems for Philly that Portland currently has, unless you want to bring Maxi off the bench, which you could, but that kind of stifles his growth, which I don't think they want to do. Um, yeah. Now, look, if you can get, um, if you could somehow like swindle Norman Powell and Robert Covington for Tobias Harris, I'm like, Full team ahead. They, they will them, never do that. Give them a first round pick. Give them two first round picks. That would be great. But short of that, uh, yeah, probably not gonna happen. Yeah. Okay. Um, Maddie, thanks again for coming on the pod. Um, we're glad that your first podcast appearance was with us. We're honored. Um, do you want to tell our listeners where they can follow you, read your work, and stuff? Yeah. Thank you for having me. Um, I. Right for section two and five, a fan sided. So you find my writing there. I write a lot, and uh, my Twitter is at m a t t y b r e i s c h, which you can find in the section two and five bio. So, yeah, thank you guys for having me. I love talking. It was great, and yeah, thank you. Yeah, thanks for coming on. We really, really do appreciate it. Um, everyone, go check out Section 215. We highly suggest it. They got Sixers stuff, Eagles stuff, Philly stuff, Flyers stuff. All your Philly sports needs are satisfied there. So them and us, you know, you can't get much better than that. Um, and yeah, thanks again, Maddie. To all our listeners, thank you, as always, for tuning in to yet another episode of the Sixers Sense Podcast. Please like, subscribe, follow along, give us a review. Give us five stars if you can at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Play. Or you can listen at our website, thesixersense.com. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Sixersense. And until next week, everyone, have a good one. Go Sixers. Peace out.